Let's open our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 6, back to verse 15, 1 Timothy 6, 15. Last time we talked about living the dream and taking hold of this life that God had given to us, that God has given to us, and, and not this chasing after the wind. We're going to kind of follow that thinking and, and that whole uh, idea a little bit today. But really, this idea that our dream really is to serve and worship and follow our God. That's what our dream is. And, and that's how we know. That's what gives us fulfillment in our lives. That's what makes life full when we're living for Him. We're living for ourselves. We're living for the world. There's not going to be that sense of living the dream inside of us. But when we focus our eyes on Him and we look ahead to heaven, that's, that's the life. That's the life. It's not always easy, though, because our flesh wants to do something completely different, usually. Let's look at verse 15, uh, again, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and starting where it says, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, which no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Because that's really what we're talking about today, this doxology, these glory words. And that's really what doxology means, is glory words that the greatness of our God is why we're here today. The greatness of our God is, is how we continue to do what we do, how, how we can carry on in this life. And today, what I want to talk about is this, is that we would put our hope in God, not in things, not in stuff. But in this God that we just read about there, the God who is the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, that is the one we're going to put our hope in. That's the one we're going to put our trust in. You say, well, do we have a choice? Do we have a choice? Obviously, we have a choice. Every single day, we have a choice I wonder um, if somebody, uh, if you got it, I need some help here today. If somebody has a dollar bill that, that I can borrow for a minute, anybody have a dollar bill? Okay, keep those wallets out. Um, actually, does anybody have a $5 bill? $5 bill? Oh, here's a five over here. Okay, keep those wallets out. Uh, does anybody have a $10 bill? A 10? A 10? Oh, here's a 10 right here. Okay, um, does anybody have a 20? Okay, I need, a, I need a 20 here. Let me see that. Thank you very much. Okay, you're all dismissed now. You know, um, you know I, was, I wasn't going to ask... Um, because I didn't want you to be embarrassed if you had one of these in your pocket. Because <laughs> then people might start following you or something crazy. But, you know, I'm looking at these things here. I'm looking at these, we call it money, right? We call it what we base our society upon. But when you look at them, it's interesting. When you turn them over on the back side of every single one of these, what does it say? 
In God we trust. I don't have the backside of that one. I turn around, but it says the same thing. On every single one of these, in God we trust. I, it's, isn't it kind of ironic, a little bit ironic, that we find that on our money? Because really, it's kind of a choice. Yeah, we got this in our pocket, and we're saying, in God we trust, and then we use it. Or we don't use it. We kind of hold on to it like this. Like, what am I trusting? Am I trusting in God or am I trusting in this here? You know, I don't know how hard it was for you to, uh, to let that go when you gave this to me. I said borrow. <laughs> but even if I said borrow, it, like you're going like, I had to like rip it out of your hand like that. Like, is that true? You know, one of the things about growing old is you don't remember things. Now, I completely have forgotten already who gave me these. So therefore, I am going to put them right here. Safe right here. If you can prove to me, if you know the numbers on that bill you gave me, I will give it back to you. Okay? So that's not a big deal, right? So we put our, put our trust in this or we put our trust or our hope. And, and let me just explain to you that word that is hope that we're going to read here is also translated trust in, in different translations. And, and, but it's the same word for hope, what we put our hope in, what we put our trust in. And, and he, says, uh, he says, and he's, he's going to talk about this, the fact that that those that were rich, he's, he's going to give them some things to do and how to, how to deal with it. And, and uh, look at verse 17, if you will, there uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. This is incredible stuff, folks. And, and, and I think the first thing that we have to deal with is, he, is people who say, well, he's not talking to me. How many of you have that, had that thought? Well, he's, not ta- he's talking about the rich. Command the rich. Right? And, and how many of you thought, well, that, okay, I, I, can pretty much, I can pretty much, you know, close the door here. This doesn't apply to me today, every single one of you. I want to tell you today, it applies to every single one of you in here today. You say, well, how can you say that? Why would you even say something like that? The fact of the matter is, is that you and I are rich. We are really rich. Interesting thing enough that he, he, he talks about this earlier in the chapter, and he says, he talks about those who wanted to be rich. Watch out, you're going to fall into a trap. It's dangerous if, you, if you're striving, I want to be rich. But here he's saying, command those who already are rich. There's a slight difference. There's a thing of like striving to get it, and then there's a problem once you do get it, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that, that you and I here in the United States, we are very, very rich compared to the rest of the world. We don't, we don't think about it like that sometimes, but it's true. It's true. 
Let me read this quote to you from uh, theoregonlive.com. He says, how relatively rich the United States is. Even the poorest among us are richer than most of the world. If your family income is $10,000 a year, you are wealthier than 84% of the world. That's $10,000 a year. If it's 50000 or more, you make more than 99% of the world. So, depends on where you are. You can, there's interesting things on the internet. You can go and there's a, a little thing and you can punch in your exact income and then it'll tell you like where you fit in in the world. It's amazing. But this gives you kind of an idea of, of what we're talking about here. The you and I. Maybe we don't feel that way, but it's true. So again, this, this, this thing of our, what are we going to trust in? Are we going to trust in our wealth or are we going to trust in God? Are we going to hope in our wealth or are we going to hope in God? And every one of us, we need to deal with this. Again, don't just shut me out, close me off here because you don't have you know, $100,000 in the bank. You know, I've had the, the, the uh, privilege and opportunity to travel to different parts of the world and, and you would not believe what it's like. We have so much. We have so much stuff. It's, not, it's, it's unbelievable until you actually see it. We, we, are, we are blessed beyond measure, if you want to call it blessed. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it. Uh, I want to I get a, just a little academic here for just a minute, if I could. And I want to talk about, um, really, uh, I got a couple of graphs on the screen uh, uh, the first one here is this, and, and it's, it's hard to see the, the uh, it's kind of small, but, but if you see the um, wealthier nations tend to be less religious, but U.S. a prominent exception. In other words, the more wealth you have, the less you will look to God or a God. Now, some of those nations up on the top left, those are with the, the lowest income up here, the lowest income, because there's the income from zero on up to 50,000. Yeah, a lot of those are not following after the true God, but they're realizing they need to find God. And they're very, very religious, you see. And then you get down here to people that are in the higher end, and they're, you know, the religious aspect gets down to like 20%, right? Europe, Canada, Germany. You see, and the United States is up here. You say, well, why do I show this up? Why do I show this to you now? Because the danger of having a lot is that we do trust in it and we realize and we think that we can survive with what we have, by what we have. And it's a lie, really, is what it is. Now, I I had to think about this. Well, why is the United States way up here when all the rest are down here? Well, you know what? I think that's changing. I really think that's changing. I think we're coming down here because we're becoming more like Europe I think we're probably down about here right now, and I think it won't be long when we're going to be down here with all the rest. The reason I think that we're even up there at all is because I believe our country was founded on principles that followed after God. I think that's why we're up there at all. And then, and then you can say, well, you might make the case that God has blessed the United States and we have prospered. But when we leave the foundations, that's when the danger begins to come in, right? When we, when we leave behind those things that the, that the countries were built upon. 
this motto that I read to you, and, and I, don't, I didn't remember this, that the motto of the United States is, in God we trust. The official motto of the United States is, in God we trust. Now, how many of you knew that? How many of you thought about that? I forgot about it, if I knew it at all. I knew it was on the money. It was actually put on coins. I had to look this up back in 1864. 1864. Put on the paper money in 1957. So this is a lot of years, right? 154 years. There was a a letter written to the the Secretary of the Treasury uh, saying from a minister saying, listen, we need to do something with this money. And he had this idea that why don't we put this on our money? And this was his answer, the Secretary of the Treasury back in 1861. He said this, Dear Sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. And he gave the, the order basically to begin to do that. That's 150 plus years ago. Is it still like that today? Most people don't even know. In fact, the, the, really the, the thing is that, that uh, people are angry about it. There are people that are, that are fighting to get that taken off of our money because they don't want any mention of that at all. It's kind of a scary, kind of a sad thing, I'm thinking. We have so much. How rich we really, really are. One other thing I want to show you, it's kind of like this slide here, uh, is this. The fewer in rich countries say today is a good day. Talk about living the dream. The U.S. is an exception. So the more money you have, the more money that you have down here, the less percentage of people say that I'm having a good day. In other words, that there's some fulfillment in life. The more money you have, the more things you have, they're not going to fulfill you. They're not going to make you say, yeah, I'm having a good day. But the less, look at these people up here. Now, none of them are up to 100%, I see. But the, again, the U.S. is kind of up here. Interesting, isn't it? But is that still true today? I, I don't think so. I think it's because we're leaving behind what I showed you in the first slide there. This hope in God, this trust in God that, that He is the one that we put our hope in. It's not in the stuff. It's not in this, this green stuff. I was thinking about this. I wonder, I wonder uh, and the Bible predicts this is going to happen. It prophesies it, that we're going to go to a cashless society. And, and we're already heading there. You know that, right? You know, your, your new credit card that you got in the mail has a chip built into it. You know that, right? Well, someday it's just going to be too easy to steal the card, so we'll just have to put the chip, that same chip, somewhere on your body. Makes sense, right? Well, you go ahead, or maybe up here is easier, you know. But this cashless society, I, I really doubt that they're going to say, in God we trust anywhere. That's easy. It's easy just to forget about that now. There's nowhere to put it, so don't bother, right? Kind of scary when you think about it, isn't it? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, the the only ruler, the only one who doesn't change. 
I like this out of the Psalms. It says uh, here somewhere, it's not on there. I'm supposed to read it to you. Don't look at all that. <laughs> I thought it was on there. I guess I didn't get it in there. That, that Psalm 130 says this, O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. Put your hope in the Lord. You know, in the long run, he's the only one that we're going to be able to trust. He's the only one that we can really hold on to. Put your hope in the Lord. I've got to find where I am here in my notes. I think I got a little mixed up. Yeah, I jumped ahead is what I did. One of the dangers that he brings out in that, in that passage there is this, that we become arrogant and pride, prideful, proud. Is that true? Do you know what kind of an image Americans have around the world? You travel much. And, and it's not true of everyone, but really the, there's this image that, you know, this, this, uh, this haughty, arrogant American. And I think, I think a lot of it's because of the wealth that we have. And we think we're better. Don't, don't let pride get you. I want you to turn back with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And, uh, and then keep your little bulletin there because we'll turn back to it a couple of times. But turn back to me to uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book in chapter 8. See, the whole Bible talks about this kind of stuff because it's, it's really something that we all face. But Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11, he says this, Be careful. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. He says, otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, this is the danger, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. When your stuff multiplies, watch out, you're going to become proud, thinking that, look what I've done. And he says, that's the danger is that we then forget the Lord. Where are we putting our hope when we do that? We're putting our hope in ourselves. We're putting our hope in our, in our, in our money, in our things, in our stuff. Dangerous. He says, don't... Put your hope there. And, and, the, and the second danger is this, that we would put our hope there. Someone said this, one of, the, one of the snares of riches, and again, listen to me, we're all rich in this room. If you are here, if you live here in America, you are wealthy compared to most of the world. And you're either, you know, no matter where you are, you're probably over the 90 to 99%. He says, one of the snares of riches is that it is difficult to have them without trusting in them. It's difficult to have them without trusting in them. He says, yet this is really a form of idolatry because we're trusting in something other than God. That's what the definition of idolatry is. Something else takes the place in our heart that only God deserves. It becomes idolatry. Psalm 62, though your riches increase, do not 
set your heart on them. See that you say, well, it's just money. It's just money. It's just stuff. Really? There's a connection between that stuff and our hearts. You know that? There's a big connection between our hearts and the stuff that we have, this money, this pot of gold. Got your pile somewhere. Remember this person I knew had these piles somewhere. And I never knew if they were literal piles or they were in the bank somewhere. I never knew. I wasn't sure. But he talked about having these piles somewhere. I'm going, that's a real interesting concept. It's a matter of the heart, isn't it? Why does he say back in 1 Timothy that we shouldn't hope in them? He says, because wealth is so uncertain. It's so uncertain. I had to look that up to see if there was some special um, meaning to that Greek word, and you know what it meant? Uncertain. But I looked it up in the English dictionary, and it says this, not able to be relied on, not known or definite. Not able to be relied on. It's uncertain. You look at that bank statement. You look at that statement that you get about this and that. Well, look at that. Whoa. And then you get the statement the next month and you go, whoa. You're like a change. And usually it's not going up, right? Whoa. You know, I don't know that we really realize how we're on a knife edge, really. You know, the stock market could crash. You know what happened in the Great Depression? The stock market crashed. It, all, it, it was all gone. It was wiped out in, in really a, a moment's time. Are we immune from that today? How many, how many uh, world monetary systems uh, of different countries have we heard about recently in the last five to ten years have crashed completely? This is real stuff. But we are Americans. That could never happen to us. Oh, really? Well, we, first of all, I, I, we're in danger by not putting our hope in God, and, and we're in danger when we put that, our hope in that stuff, anyways, whether we have it or whether we don't have it. It's an interesting time that we live in. We have so much, it's so risky. It's, you, know, you talk about investments like a risk. There's a risk factor. How much risk the, the, the people say to you, the investment people, well, how much risk are you comfortable with? Right? You heard that? How much risk can you, can you stomach? Because otherwise, you know, we can put your money over here where there's like zero risk and there's like zero growth. Or we can put your money over here where, you know, you can make a lot of money. But there's a lot of risk. You might not even have it next week. But the truth of the matter is, it's very risky to trust in what we have. It's very risky. It's like over here, I think, putting our risk in it, putting our hope in it. We need to put our hope in God. That's what we need to do, put our hope in God. The God who doesn't change. And there's the verse I was trying to tell you about. Put your hope in the Lord. I just got ahead of myself. I'm getting so excited about this topic. 
the commands that he gave. Look there in verse 17. Let's uh, read them again. He says, he commands those in this, who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I think this is... And then verse uh, uh, 18, that's what I meant to say. Command those, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is true to life. I just read it all so that way I wouldn't get so mixed up again. He says, command them, and he gives these commands, and that's a strong word. But the Bible is full of commands. We need to get over that. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a problem with our pride if we don't want someone commanding us to do anything. Now, those in the military, you understand command. You understand authority. But most of us that are not in that situation, you know, we don't want anybody telling us what to do. That's really kind of an ingrained thing for like when you start when you're like two, right? You're not the boss of me. No. That's the first word we learn, right? No. When, when your mom or your dad tells you, get and go do this, No. You know, the Bible is full of commands, like I said, and so this is commands from above, from God. And so what does he command us to do? Let's just get over that and say, okay, you're the Lord. You are Lord. Lord means master. I'll do what you ask me to do. Not like Peter when he took Jesus aside and he says, no, Lord. Use those two words like side by side. That's what we call what? An oxymoron, and that's moronic, right? When we say, no, Lord, they don't go together at all. Anyways, he says to us, the first one he says to us is to do good. Do good. That's the first command that he gives to us. The second command is this, is to be rich in good deeds, And the third is to be generous and willing to share. Be generous and willing to share. I want you to notice something in that verse there uh, that we, in the last part of verse 17, it says that God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So the stuff that we have, where did we get it from? From God. We have to understand that. We, you, you've heard preachers say that. Well, you got it all from God. Well, where did they get that? They got that from verses like this. God provides us with everything. You say, well, no, I worked. I, I earned what I have. But let me tell you, let me, let me read to you Deuteronomy chapter 8. You don't need to turn there this time. He says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He's given you the ability to do that job that you do. It all goes back to Him. It all, you know, it all begins with Him. It all ends with Him. And so we need to get that perspective right and, and say, okay, well, if you've given me all these things to enjoy, and then He says, well, I want you to do good. I want you to be rich in good deeds. And it's kind of this play on words. Interesting, He says, riches, and then He says, to be rich in good deeds. The same 
same base word, to be generous, be willing to share. This is, again, this gets to our heart, folks. This really gets to the heart of who we are. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to use what we have to bless others? Are we willing to hold it in an open hand or have it in a closed fist? I was, I was kind of excited that people were raising their hand about that, you know, to give me this cash. You know, they, they, they handed it to me. They, says, they could have said, well, I'll let you look at it. You know, we did that as kids, right? I'll let you look at it, but you can't touch it. You remember that? No, you can't have it. Uh-uh. Willing to let it go. He says there in verse 19 that, that in this way we lay up treasure. It's like this eternal investment that takes place, isn't it? It's eternal investments that you and I, with the stuff that we have, if we are the richest nation on earth, we should be the most rich in good deeds and, and being generous of anybody else on the earth as well. That's, that's really the truth of it. But it gets back to the heart. My heart. Your heart. You remember the guy who Jesus gave the parable in Luke chapter 12 about this guy who, he, he, you know, he was doing pretty well. And he started getting all kinds of stuff. And what did he do? He, he says, well, you know, I'm just going to build bigger barns so I can store more and keep it all for myself. And so he did all that. And then and it was like, then God said, okay, well, your life is required of you right now. What are you going to do with all that stuff? Store it up for yourself. And, and but he says, you know, or, or be rich towards God. Be rich towards God. When we, when we do those commands, when we are generous and willing to help and bless other people, we're actually rich towards God. It's got, it's got to do with our relationship with Him. You've heard that saying, you can't take it with you. Right? And the rest of it is, but you can send it ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. I wrote down a few things. I want you to just read this with me. Giving away what we have is part of taking hold of the life that is truly life. Giving is part of really living. You say, where are you going with all this? Well, I'd like to take an offering right now. So if you get those wallets back out again. You see, people use these kind of verses to do that and manipulate people. Well, we're not, we don't take offerings here. Not that we're any better than anybody else. We just don't do that. But, but it doesn't mean that we don't talk about the issues, that money has a hold on our hearts and we're not willing to let it go. But if you look what he's saying here, what he really is saying is, is that giving is a part of really living in this way, he says, in that way of, of doing good and being rich in good deeds and being generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation and they, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's part of truly living is being able to let it go and to give it away. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. And again, I, 
I'm not going to take an offering. I want you to know that. But listen what he said, because people use these verses when taking offerings. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, some preacher looking for money to buy a new yacht or whatever didn't make up those words. They manipulate people using those words, yes. But Jesus said those words. There's a principle there for you and I. Are we willing to give? There's a lot of ways we can give, and it's not just giving to some evangelist on TV. We need to help support the local church. But we need to also help support missionaries and and different people, even our neighbors around us that we might see have some kind of a need that we're willing to help. Jesus, it, it talks about the scripture, you know, well, if you have two coats, maybe you can give one away. Do you really need two coats? I mean, thinking about coats right now, I, have, I don't know how many coats I have. But if you need one and, and uh, you're my size, you know what? Come and ask me. I'll give you one. And then you're faced with the question, if that's you, well, which one should I give him? I'm going to give him this old one. I really don't need that one anymore. You know, it's got some paint stains on it, and I really only use it for working on cars. Or, 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 you know what, I really want to bless them. I'm going to give them the very best coat that I have. Whoa. Okay, can we have the ushers come forward now to take that offering? <laughs> you know, when you think about Christmas coming up and you think about Scrooge, right? The dude was miserable. Right? Why? Why was he so miserable? Because he was like holding all of his stuff, like, ugh. And it wasn't until he began to see, you know, that that as he gave it away, as he began to take care of other people, bless other people, he said, wow, his, his whole life changed. His whole attitude to life changed. It's what he trusted in. It's what he put his hope in. I got a quote for you. I really like this one. Paradoxically, I like that word, paradoxically, it is in this giving away the possessions which the world considers the key to the good life that a Christian may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, the world considers having this stuff the good life, and the Word of God tells us the good life is giving away the stuff. See, it's not the same, right? It's two different, two different plans. The good life. Be careful. You don't forget the Lord your God by putting your heart on all this stuff. You need to put our hope in God and remember. Remember how we got what we have and use it for good. Think about this, uh, this story I heard, and I think I, I think I printed it out, but I think I forgot it at the copy machine. You know how that happens sometimes. Anyways, this guy, he, you know, he, he was arguing with the Lord about, about he was very wealthy. 
And he wanted to take it with him. He wanted to take it with him to heaven. And he argued with God about this. God, I just want to take it with me. And, and finally, God said, okay, all right. I'll take it with you. So he, he, you know, he had it all in gold, right? And so he, he gathers it all up and the time comes and, and he gets, he's up at the gates, you know, the pearly gates and St. Peter's there, you know, the story. He's got these suitcases full of this gold, right? And, and Peter says, you can't take that stuff in here. Uh-uh. No. And, Pete, and he, told, he told Peter, he said, listen, I have a deal. I made a deal with God that I can take it in. I said, okay. You got to show me what you got in there. So he opens up the, the suitcases, and Peter looks at it and goes, what's this? What are you bringing pavement for? Some of you don't get that one. That's okay. <laughs> Read Revelation. Can't take it with us. Let's use it while we have it, while we have a chance here. Let's use it for good. Let's do some good. And we might welcome people into the kingdom one day there. I want you to turn with me and, and uh, we'll close with this passage. Jeremiah chapter 9. Isaiah, Jeremiah. Lamentations, Ezekiel. Jeremiah chapter 9. This is a perspective. This is a perspective on life. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. It says, Let, this is what the Lord says. This is what Yahweh says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. That pride thing. But, verse 24, let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight declares the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we want to first stop and say thank you for all that you've given to us. Maybe we haven't even said that. Maybe the stuff that we have, the, the things that we have around us, the, the abundance that we have, even the, the, those that are considered the least well-off among us, we still have more than most of the world. And we want to just stop and say thank you that You've taken care of us. But Lord, we also pray that, that our hearts would be right with you about this and we'd put our hope in you and not in those things that you've given us. It's, it is idolatry. Father, it's a battle that we face. Our hearts are wicked. We're desperately wicked and, and there's these things that keep coming up in there. So we pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to, to know what, where to put our hope, where the, the greatest rewards will truly be, where the least amount of risk is in an eternal sense. Father, we put our hope in you. You're the only one that's certain, that's able to be relied upon that's trustworthy, 
He won't rip us off. As Jesus said, the, the moths that come in and thieves that come in and steal. But Lord, we put our treasure, our treasure is in heaven. Our hearts are there with you. Help us, Lord. We're weak. We've got the world all around us telling us a whole different story. The good life is having it all. But you say the good life is being able to give, to give it all. We challenge, we're challenged by that, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. Father, I also know that there are perhaps some here today that have never given their lives to you and surrendered to you. Maybe none of this even makes any sense at all. But, but the life you came to give us by sending your son Jesus, eternal life, by sending your son Jesus to be the sacrifice, the, the paying the price of our sin, that, that him dying upon that cross, rising from the dead, that all we need to do is trust in him and believe in him, that we would have eternal life that our future would be secure. And maybe that's you today as we pray. You can call out to him and, and, and cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I'm lost. I'm, I'm hurting. I need help. Please forgive me. Please, please come into my life today. Change me. Please be my Savior. Please be my Lord today. And God will hear you. God is hearing you even now if that's the cry of your heart. Lord, uh, thank you for all that you've given to us. Lord, even the, the breath in our lungs. You are the God who gives us breath. In you, we live and move and have our very being. And Father, we, we look to you. We acknowledge you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, please.